Radio advertising is good. Why should you advertise on the Tam Talk Radio Network, AM 1340? Well, it's simple. We are a local radio station with local shows that target our local communities and local listeners. We have a variety of shows that cover a multitude of informative and interesting topics, such as automotive and boating, real estate and finance, health and medical, politics and law, sports and fishing, pet care, and more. Why, we are even home to Imus in the Morning. We also have shows about comedy, food and dining, religion, fashion, local community events and activities and a variety of music. Talk Radio provides a listening format that appeals to a large cross-section of people. Whether you are in your car, at work, at home, everyone has a radio. And we are streamed live on the Internet. And past shows are podcasted so you, the listener, can play back your favorite shows over and over again. The possibilities are endless. So that, my listeners, is why you should advertise on the Tam Talk Radio Network, AM 1340. Classic. Timeless and collectible cars. Crown Collector Car Auctions presents the Florida Fall Classic, October 14th and 15th at the Florida State Fairgrounds in Tampa. Broadcast live on the Internet to buyers around the world. Space is limited, so reserve your spot in the greatest collector car auction in Florida this fall. Visit crowncollectorcars.com or call 855-552-7696. That's 855-552-7696 and consign your car today. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Let me tell you about my company, Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. I have over 35 years' experience with classic, vintage, sport, and racing cars. I do appraisals, consulting, and pre-purchase inspections. Before you buy your next rare classic, the car of your dreams, give me a call at Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. Also, due to my 28 years' experience in the auto salvage business, I am very good with wrecks. So if your car has been in a wreck... Call me for a diminished value report. Call me at 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for lost value of your repaired vehicle. That's Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc., 727-541-1741. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, AM 1340. Hi, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. If you'd like to play golf, Magnolia Valley Golf Club is offering some specials this week. Give them a call up there at 727-847-2342. They have a 9-hole executive course, and they have an 18-hole par 72. And they've got great food on the 19th hole. So call my friend Pete at 727-847-2342. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Carl Keycaper, president and founder of Mercury Marine, never did anything second class. His nonstop desire to beat arch-rival OMC led him to create the most dominating team in outboard racing history. Well-financed and well-schooled, never has the sport seen a trio of drivers like Reggie Fountain, Billy Siebold, and Earl Benz. Team Mercury was the talk of the racing world. Optimum performance on the water is all related to how you trim the boat. The more the boat is piercing through the air than through the water, the faster the boat is going to be. The fountain hull is a deep V design that gives the advantage of knifing through the top of the water by creating lift and minimizing hydrodynamic drag. 
The first feature we've introduced is the pad keel. This is the 15-inch raised surface in the V of the boat that runs the entire length of the hull. When the boat is running at high speed, it runs up on this pad, thus reducing the wetted surface and hydrodynamic drag. This pad is V'd at a slightly lesser degree to increase speed. However, it's still angled to give you a smooth re-entry in rough water. The next component is the notch transom. This is a notch in the back of the hull which allows us to raise the drive height or X dimension, which reduces the wetted surface of the gear case while still getting enough water to the prop to propel the boat forward. The next feature is the positive lift hull design. This is a series of angle steps along the bottom of the boat that change the angle of attack of the hull to the water to create lift. There are also a series of air induction vents which force air under the boat and aerate the hull. The aerated water breaks surface tension and creates a slippery surface which reduces friction and drag. The next key component is matching the hull design with the proper propulsion system. The stern drive allows you to trim the boat at different angles for different speeds and for different water conditions. On the back of each and every fountain boat, you have a set of trim tabs or afterplanes. When in the down position, they allow you to prop the boat on plane quickly, driving the stern of the boat up and the nose down. They allow you to adjust for uneven side-to-side -side loads in your boat. And finally, they extend the bottom of the boat, which can come in handy in rough water conditions. On the dash, you have indicators which show the exact position of the tabs at all times. Okay, listeners, race fans, boat fans, you are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We are live in downtown Clearwater. So uh, hurry up and run to your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can catch us live in the studio. Unless you're close by, you can get a radio station, AM 1340. Hey, Cedric, how you doing? Hey, yeah, we got a pretty good signal at this time of the day. We do, yeah. yeah. If you're a fish out in the Gulf of Mexico. Oh, come on. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. Hey, you know what? We had a really great weekend. Great weekend this uh, past weekend here at uh, Clearwater Beach and at the uh, Bay Star Village downtown Clearwater with the boat superboat uh, nationals going on. I want to say a special thanks to Frank Chavez because he did an excellent job doing. Uh, he's the key promoter here with Bay Star Restaurant Groups, which is uh, Islandway Grill, uh, Rambas, uh, Darlin Marlin, and some of the other restaurants. Also, a special thanks to the. Uh, the guys, the Geico crew guys, uh, we had Scotty uh, Begovich on last week, and uh, Scotty is a really cool dude. He really is. And then Mark, uh, the other driver for him, with him, uh, excellent guy. Uh, and Gary Goodell, who's their, the big cheese with, uh, you know, the, the head man there at the Geico organization there, with uh, the, or the um, Miss Geico boat group. Anyway, thank you guys for your hospitality. It was wonderful. And a special thanks to Kathleen Peters at the Clearwater Chamber of Commerce because she did a very good job promoting the uh, the event as well. So anyway, next week, next year, I might be getting involved. And what I'd like to see is maybe a car show, a boat show, you know, some hot rod boats, and motorcycles. So maybe we can make it a mini speed weekend, okay? So uh, let's look forward to that. Hey, we got our uh, long-lost buddy on the line there somewhere. Uh, yeah, Robert, I'm here. Hey, Chris, where are you at? Are you stuck in traffic? 
I am on my way to the station. I have in traffic. You know, are, uh, the are, Tampa Bay area is a beautiful place to live, but not at rush are, hour. Are, just out of curiosity, are you coming up Drew Street right now? Uh, no, I'm actually coming up uh, Missouri Avenue. Oh, okay. Oh, he's on Misery. Okay. So, anyway, yeah, there was, Misery. That's there, right. There that's, was, that's, Directly. When I was coming into the radio station, it was a little slow go because there's like a huge police. Something's going on, like a manhunt or something off of Drew and uh, in between Cleveland Street, just down a few blocks. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Hey, we're located. Well, thanks, thanks for the uh, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take a detour. All right. When you get over here to the studios. Anyway, so how whoa, is whoa, how is Crowd Collector Car Auctions doing? Crowd Collector Car Auctions is busting at the seams with wonderful classic cars that are being consigned for this auction. We have been inundated in the last few days with consignments coming from everywhere across the country. And we're going to have a wonderful event at the uh, fairgrounds the weekend of the 14th and 15th. Everybody out there listening needs to get online. Go to crowncollectorcars.com and get your tickets, save some money. And come and see the uh, auction. You're going to see cars that you haven't seen and may never see again. The Bob Hope Special. Uh, we have a 36 Dodge Brothers convertible. It's one of eight known to exist. And uh, many, many more cars just like that, Robert. Okay, super. And give us the dates again one more time and the location and a phone number. All right, I'll do all of that if you want me to. Absolutely. I, I'll try it while I'm driving with my knee. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, this uh, next weekend. Yeah, it's a October week from today. 14th and 15th, Friday and Saturday at the Florida State Fairgrounds in Tampa, across from the Hard Rock Casino and Hotel. And uh, the number to call to find more, uh, out more about the event, if you want to consign your car or you want to register to bid on one of these wonderful cars, you call 855-552-7696. That's 855-552-7696. Seven six nine six, or again, go to crowncollectorcars.com. Okay, super. Chris, you'll be here in a few minutes, right? I will. I, well, you know, traffic fair. <laughs> you know, Cedric, if you would, uh, turn on the cameras and see if you could direct me in around that uh, <laughs> happening on Bruce Street. <laughs> okay, well, let's fire up our first little song, because we have a great bunch of music we're going to play. we got a great, a really, really fascinating, interesting guest this evening. So, let's roll that song. Okay, we're going to do The Clam. The Clam! <laughs> Gather round Listen to that bongo sound Grab the first one in your reach Now we're gonna shake the beach yeah, yeah, yeah. Do the clam, do the clam Grab your barefoot baby by the hand Turn and tease, hug and squeeze Dig right in and do the clam can't get your heart to spin on the outside looking in. Moon ain't gonna last all night. Well, let's work up an appetite. Do the clam, do the clam. Grab your barefoot baby by the hand. Turn and tease, hug and squeeze. 
Dig right in and do the plan Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radiant Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great place to eat right on the main part of Clearwater Beach. Located at 333 South Gulfview Boulevard. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill has two floors of food, drink, and fun. They have daily specials, happy hour, nightly entertainment. Their menu caters to seafood lovers as well as land lovers. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill, 727-608-2065. They're open in the morning for breakfast until 1 a.m. So stop by and visit my friends, Turtle, Eddie, and Polly, and all the girls and staff at Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill. That's 727-608-2065. Mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you never know, you might get a free drink. That's Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill on Clearwater Beach, 727-608-2065. Okay, we're back. Hey, just in case you guys uh, want to know, if you want to email us, or you can, email me at golfstreamradio at gmail.com. That's golfstreamradio at email, excuse me, at gmail.com. I'll get it straight one of these days. 
And you can also call us here, too, 441-3000, and you can leave a message with Cedric. I don't normally take phone calls, but, you know, if you want to ask a question, he can shoot me an email here, and then I could uh, read it over the phone or something like that. Uh, I can ask a question to the guests um, if you catch the uh, the deal. But at any rate, um, let me give you a list of some of the guys that may be coming on the show here that I have contacted. I'm waiting to hear from, okay? We've got uh, Shirley Muldowney possibly coming on. We have Ed Pink possibly coming on. I'm sure you guys remember Ed Pink, big engine builder out of California. John Forrest, we're working on him. We're working on Bud Moore. We're working on the Woods Brothers. We're working on Rick Hendricks. We're working on David Pearson. We're even working on Richard Petty. Robert Yates, who we've been in contact with. Jack Rouse is a real tough one. Penske. We're trying to get Roger Penske on here, but, you know, it's going to be tough. Billy Gibbons, who's real good friends with Peter Porce, who was on our show here from SoCal Speed Shop. He's working on that for me. Jeff Beck, he's another one. These are all car guys. They're all hanging out in California. Bear McGuire from Car Crazy, he will be on the show in a couple weeks. Okay, Don Gardless will be on the show in a couple weeks. We got him. Humpy Wheeler, we're in touch with him. Uh, Bob Bondrat of, uh, you know, Cobra Racing fame and Bob Bondrat Racing School out in California. Okay, Terry Borscheller, he's a friend of mine. He's a well-known, raced uh, Celine S7 in Le Mans and won with the car. Um, drives, uh, drives a number of race cars and road racing and stuff. Um, Alan Jackson, believe it or not, we're trying to get him on. You know, Alan Jackson's a singer because he's a big car guy up there in Georgia. Arlen Ness, the motorcycle guy. And, of course... I'm sure everybody's favorite, Linda Vaughn. We have been in contact with Linda Vaughn. Miss Hurst, okay, she will be coming on the show as well. So you guys stay tuned. We've got a pretty good lineup for you the next couple of months. Um, we're working on Alice Cooper, too. Don't forget Alice Cooper. He's a huge guitar or huge band guy, you know, Alice Cooper band. And he's a big car guy. He's out in Arizona. And we have his buddy, Eddie, coming on here maybe in a couple of weeks. Ted Nugent. Now, we're trying to get Ted on for more than one reason, because we would just want Ted Nugent to raise some hell with us, you know, because he's a cool guy. And I have actually contacted Donald Trump's office, just for giggles, since it's a political year, we might as well have somebody on there who can give us a little spin on the automotive industry, what he thinks from it, you know, as an outsider. So we got some pretty cool stuff lined up for you guys. any rate, uh, let's see. we got a real fascinating guest this evening. Let's see. Let's go ahead. we got our guest on the line? I'll, I'll get working on it right yeah, now. Go ahead and make a phone call. And uh, But anyway, I want to say thanks again. I uh, remind you guys that we had a really great weekend here at the Superboat races. The uh, the Miss Geico boat and the Centron were both in the, uh, um, I guess the turbine class is what the, uh, was the, um, they're 50-foot Mystics, okay? And I can't remember the class. I guess it's unlimited is what the, uh, um, I should know this by heart. Shame on me. But at any rate, uh, the Centron boat and the Miss Geico boat were competing in the same class. The the, the, the Miss Geico boat is a turbine boat with just shy of 400,000 horsepower when it's detuned just a little bit. And the Centron boat has normally aspirated motors. Now, had it not been for the fact when they were coming around the back turn down by Caladesi there that the uh, hatches came loose on the uh, Miss Geico boat, so they had to back out of the race. So they ended up forfeiting the race. Centron was the only other boat in its class. Therefore, it wins by default. Plus, it was it kind of won overall, okay? I want to say a big hello to my friends uh, Bobby Vespa with the War Paint, which is a vintage. Actually, it's about a almost a 15-year-old boat. It's a pretty cool 40-foot, 38, 39, 38, 39, 40-foot Apache, okay, Cat, which did very, very well in the 750 class, okay? Congratulations to Robert Nobles. He won in the uh, Super Cat class with the... Uh, uh, steel boat. I'm a big steel fan. I use steel chainsaws and all their uh, lawn equipment and stuff like that. So congratulations to those guys. And pretty much everybody else that showed out there. Ryan Beckley, he was on a show last year. Jay Polini was out there. Hi to you guys. And uh, it was a pretty good overall uh, deal. Hey, we got our guests on the line? Yep. All right, let's roll our little thingies and then let's not waste time. Let's get our guests on. Let's not keep them waiting. 
partner and swing her around and dance to the booby grass sound. I love to hear Bill sing about Kentucky and the Almond Brothers rambling man. We put the music all together, so dance to the boogie grass Saws the fiddle too Taught me how to sing and play for you I got progress in my soul And rhythm in my feet So dance to the boogie grass beat I love to hear Bill sing about Kentucky And the Almond Brothers Okay, we're back just for a second. You're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And one more thing I'd like to add here real quick before we introduce our guest is um, if you're wondering how it is that I come about um, all these really, really cool, interesting guests, I will tell you guys that there's a lot of preparation work that goes into this show, as well as I do a lot of traveling or have done a lot of traveling. A lot of these people I've met at past events, whether they've been racing events, whether they've been um, concourse events, whether they've just been car shows and stuff like that. And quite frankly, you know, when you kind of talk to these people, you kind of build a rapport with them. And, uh, you know, and it's it's a confidence thing. It's kind of like you're selling yourself. And uh, therefore, in, uh, you know, in, and then you maintain contact with these people. And then over time, you know, uh, they kind of, you, you stay in contact. You see them from show to show. So they have, uh, you know, every time they hear your voice and your name, they can put a they can put a face. They can associate a face with the uh, with the name and the, and the voice and everything like that. So um, I'm really working hard to try to really make the show evolve into a really really cool celebrity type oriented uh, show, <clears throat> as well as really really fascinating people. So uh, let's roll this little clip and then we'll get right to our really special guest for the evening. Another extra that sets Fountain apart is the name on the whole side. Reggie Fountain is willing to put his name on the line because he believes in what he builds. The only speed Reggie Fountain knows, whether it's in business or boat racing, is wide open throttle. Drawing on over 50 years of experience, Reggie is hands-on all the way. Reggie personally spearheads every engineering and new product development project at Fountain Power Boats. He takes his business very seriously. Reggie Fountain understands every aspect of performance on the water. He knows the dynamics of water and the fastest way to get through it. After all, it's been his lifeblood for more than five decades. Reggie's unparalleled racing accomplishments include becoming one of the few elite drivers in boat racing history to notch 100 plus career wins. Launching a Hall of Fame career in the low-flying world of 130-mile-per-hour F1 tunnel outboards. He personally holds three world titles and seven national championships. He was the only driver to be selected by Team Mercury to belong on both the F1 and offshore factory teams. 
And finally, he's the only man in history to design, manufacture, drive, and throttle his own boat to dominance of the national offshore racing circuit and set a world speed record at 171.883 miles per hour. To this day, Reggie Fountain still logs more than 1,000 hours a year on the water. His racing accomplishments weave the fabric that legends are made of. He's raced against the most prominent names in offshore history and left them in his wake. In the early 90s, Reggie made racing history when he defeated a star-studded field, including Don Johnson, Kurt Russell, and Chuck Norris, with a triple-engine V-bottom that wasn't even given a chance of beating the fast cats of the day. Fountain has held the speed record in every twin-engine V-bottom category for over two decades. Fountain has dominated race courses in all types of water conditions all around the world. Eight times in the last 15 years, Fountain boats have broken their own V-bottom speed record. In their last attempt, Fountain shattered the SBI APBA UIM V-bottom speed record at a blistering 171.883 miles per hour with an amazing one-way pass of 177.35 miles per hour. Fountain is the only boat builder in the history of offshore racing to win every major twin-engine V-bottom championship in a single season. And we keep on doing it year after year after year. The record speaks for itself. Okay, we're live. Well, I guess it's no secret who our special guest for the evening is. Allow me to take the opportunity to introduce boat racing legend Reggie Fountain. Reggie, are you there? Yes, sir, I am. Good evening to you. How you been? It's only been a few days, but how you doing? I've, I've been doing fine since I was down at Clearwater at the races. I enjoyed being down there with you and, and with everybody racing, and uh, I'm back up here in North Carolina working. Well, how about that? So why don't you give us a little brief history on, uh, tell us how you got started and what was the big inspiring thing in your life to get you involved in boat racing? I started boat racing in 1954 at, uh, at age 14. I just liked to go fast and I was, I was fairly good at what I did. I worked hard at it and, uh, and so I did well and after I'd gone through and gotten out of college and University of North Carolina business school and law school, uh, I actually was uh, peddling life insurance as a souped-up life insurance salesman with a law degree, and I raced on the side for Mercury Marine, and I did that through the uh, late 60s and 70s and then started my boat company in 1979, and that's how I got into the boat business. Now, tell us about some of the boats that you raced. I'm not real from I'm, I'm familiar with tunnel hulls, but tell us a little bit about the F1 class that you raced and, you, and that you were real successful in. Well, they were tunnel boats back in the... Uh, uh, late 60s and 70s, uh, outboard powered. They'd run up to 130, 40 miles an hour. Acceleration from 60 to 100 was like three, four seconds. They were awesomely fast. And uh, uh, they, uh, we raced them all over the world in Europe uh, and, uh, and about everywhere there's any water. We raced those boats for the Mercury Racing Team. And then later, uh, when I went into the uh, sports boat business, uh, that was in uh, 79. Then we were building offshore-type 
V-bottom boats. A lot of people would refer to some of these boats as cigarette-type boats. Just happened that the boats I was building and selling at that time uh, were were called found boats after myself. And uh, and so uh, we then raced from the 80s and 90s on up till uh, I left the company in uh, 2009. We uh, we we raced V-bottoms, and uh, and now. Uh, with our new company, Real Real Fast Marine, we're doing uh, a lot of work on the boats we used to build and designing some new, really fast boats, faster than any of those before, both catamarans and three bottoms, uh, for the future as we move ahead. So now you're 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 kind of partial to V bottoms, right? Well, yeah, I've been over the past thirty years because that's basically all we built. But when I did all of my racing. It was with hydroplanes in the uh, in the fifties, tunnel boats in the sixties and seventies. I never really raced the V bottoms until the eighties, nineties, and, and the two thousands. But uh, I've actually won more races in tunnel boats than I have V bottoms along the way. Now everybody knows that the V bottoms basically are. Excuse me. Well, yeah, V bottoms always run better in deep water, and then uh, the the tunnel hulls and the flat bottom boats basically do better in uh, in, in calm water. So, well, generally speaking, you know, you would say that a V-bottom uh, would handle rough water better than a tunnel boat, at least in, in in past years. But now these tunnel boats have gotten so big, I mean, some of them are 40, 50 foot long, they'll span across those waves. So, you know, you can you can run a, uh, a catamaran now or a tunnel boat uh, across as much rough water as you can a, a V-bottom uh, today. Now, that didn't hold true when the boats were 20 and 30 feet and 35 and 38, but as the boats got longer, the cats would then span across that, that big water. However, the difference between a V-bottom and a cat uh, probably is, is less when you're running in rough water. Rough water sort of neutralizes the extra speed that the cat would have by lifting itself out of the water through the uh, aerodynamic lift it gets through the tunnel. So now, for example, like these new boats that you're working on, it's called the name of your new company is what? Real Fast Power Boats, or is it... Marine. Real fast marine. Okay. Yeah, and I can't use the, you know, the name I had before. <laughs> uh, so that's all right. Uh, everybody knows who we are anyway, so we don't really need to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we're going to be building now uh, with the cats uh, and the V bottoms will be faster than anything we've we've ever built before. We'll we'll be basically be able to uh, to as as you know, always do when you come out with new things. You'll you'll improve the, the breed some and increase the performance, particularly if you're noted for performance, and that's what we're noted for. That's what I do all day, every day, from the time I wake up till the time I go to bed is work on going fast. So I think we'll be able to do that with this new line of boats we've established and just make it clear we're really not with Fountain anymore, uh, and and uh, the, the new boats we, we build are going to, I think, be more competitive than uh, any any boats that we've ever built before. And, of course, we, we will take um, existing found boats that our customers in past years have have uh, bought from us, and, and we can make modifications to them now with things that we've learned over the last few years that will make them even faster and better than they were when we built them. Well, what are some of the techniques and the technology and features that, are, that you're going to incorporate into these new boats that are going to make them so superior to the previous, to their predecessors? Well, well, it, it depends on what kind of boat you're talking about. Are you talking about a, uh, a V-bottom uh, offshore yeah. boat? 
let's just say uh, you're a pleasure boat, or you're talking about a catamaran, or you're talking about a V-bottom fishing boat. And it's going to be the way we put with the V-bottoms. It'll be the way we're going to change the angle of attacks on the bottom, the dead rises, the uh, the setbacks of the uh, transoms of the boat, gear ratio, prop pitches, diameters, all a combination of those type things uh, that uh, are really a combination of a lot of old art, prior arts, things that have been around for years. Because, you know, the steps that we were noted for on our boats, which we put on our boats in the 90s, they were put on V-bottoms and other boats as early as the early 1900s. So what we do is we take a combination of all the things we've learned in over 50 years of racing, and we put them together uh, in, in, a, in a special way. And it comes up with a with a, a pretty good running thing because it's the blend of, and the magics how you how you put all of it together and what are those things you put together the steps how you put them together what the angle of attack tack is on the steps how many steps are on the bottom of the boat uh, are they located right relative to the CG at the bottom of the boat then we put a pad on the boat which is a flatter area along the keel that has. Uh, less dead rise than the rest of the bottom. Maybe the rest of the bottom is 20 to 24 degrees, and your pad might be anywhere from, say, 10 to 14 degrees. So we've got pads now on these boats, steps on these boats, setback transoms. We're modifying some of the ways we're doing lifting strikes now. We've come up with a new way to deal with the lifting strikes, which give these boats a little extra lift and get up and go. So and, and then the new gear ratios, the new prop pitches and diameters allow higher X dimensions, which is settings of the prop relative to the stern of the boat. And the higher you raise these things up, if you have a prop that can push it running halfway out of the water, you're going to go faster because you've got less drag down through the water. So the, all that type of stuff will be put together to make uh, these new V-bottoms faster than anything that we've ever done before. And also by changing some of the fountain boats for customers that have already bought boats when we, we were selling the fountains, we can take those and modify them and make them uh, better and faster, too, by changing uh, a number of items on the, the back of the boat. And basically, the uh, only engineering for that's in my head, and I've always been doing the engineering for my company, and, and that's that's what I'll be doing with these new boats. So that's how we deal with it if it's, if it's V-bottoms, uh, either, either the sports boat or... The fish boats that we build now, when it comes to the cat, uh, we, we are, are going to be doing a number of things there. We've run some hydrodynamic tricks we use on the bottom of the V-bottoms that we're going to be using on the sponsons of the cats, which are a little bit different than what most of the guys are using. And there's some really good cats out there, but, you know, you have inlaid steps, overlapping steps, different angles of attacks on steps and where you put them. And we think how we can deal with the hydrodynamic lift of the sponsors of the cat, along with some other things that we can do to make sure we got the right amount of compression at the right place in the tunnel, will help make the uh, the new cats we're going to do extremely fast uh, with very little power. And so uh, we're looking forward to doing that. As I said earlier, I've raced more catamarans than I have V-bottoms. However, you know, you have to be honest, catamarans are substantially more dangerous than uh and V-bottoms because they fly through the air and they're subject to take off like a plane and they're really not made to take off like that, but they will. And if they get wet in the air, they start doing loops and come down and crash. And, and so they could be uh, somewhat dangerous, so you have to give the proper warnings, try to train the people, which we do before we put them in these boats and show them what they can and can't do. There's a lot of things you need to do when you when you deal with a catamaran. But uh, 
with the experience we've had over the past number of years and with the fellows I've raced with in the past, they all about my age, they all joined up with me to, you know, take one last shot, shot at making some of the best cats in the world, and, and we're using all the experience we've had for the past uh, uh, 50 years of racing to do that. Now, in a case like this, do you share ideas with other manufacturers, or do you pretty much keep everything like uh, in a closed little room and it's your own little deal? I mean, how do you maintain a certain degree of secrecy? So the other guy, so there, the, there is no secrecy. There is I no mean, se- okay. I mean, first of all, if you can reverse engineer something, you can use it. Uh, most of the things we're using—the setback transoms, the pad, the steps, the angles of attacks of the steps—and all is what you call old art. They've been around for years. For example, in the 70s, uh, Darius and uh, Paul Allison at that time with Allison Crafts had pads on his boat. Howard Pipcorn with Hydrostream had pads on his boat. That came from the 70s. I think some racing boats as early as the 1930s had overlaps on their bottoms, which was steps in effect. So that's old art. Uh, V-bottoms are old art. The width of lifting strikes are old art. So basically what we're doing it's taking all this old art for which there are no secrets, and it's how we blend them all together is what makes uh, these boats really work good. They it's not patentable because everything's old art, but uh, the way you blend all of it together makes it perform extra special. Now, you know, over the years, a lot of people have copied our steps that we put on our boats, but then who are we to complain? Uh, we were copying steps from from boats that uh, we had seen built earlier. For example, in the mid-1970s, I was putting inlaid steps on one of my tunnel boats. I was one of the first ones to, to do that when I raced for the Mercury racing team. Did that with uh, with Renato Molinari and, and Bobby Heron, and it really picked that boat up. That's a little different than the steps we use on today's V-bottoms, and, and that type of step, inlaid step, is, is more tuned to the to the tunnel boats. But I guess to answer your question, uh, is there any secrecy about it? The secrecy is the experience that I have in my head where I'm able to blend all these things of prior art, like, um, you know, if you're going to make a Brunswick stew, you put in there potatoes and carrots and celery and corn and butter beans and ketchup and all those things. Well, all that stuff's been around for years. What makes a good Brunswick stew, though, maybe you put chicken in there, maybe you put beef, is how you mix all these things that have been around for years together, and that's the magic in the Brunswick stew. The magic in the in the way you, you build these boats using all this old art is how you put it together, and that's what comes from my head in the form of uh, the experience of the many, many years of racing, and we backed that up by saying, you know, Heck, with V-bottoms, we do we do on the world record. I did that personally myself with Ben Robertson in 19, excuse me, in 2004. We did that at, a, at the 171-mile-hour you talked about. And I believe this new V-bottom we're going to be able to run over 200 miles an hour with, with not as much power as I had before going uh, only 170 miles an hour. So and there's, there's quite a few changes we're making to make things better. And uh, we're working on trying to get started with those boats. We don't have them done yet, but, of course, the economy's not the best in the world. And by the time the economy gets right, we'll have the boats right and ready to sail. Now, let me ask you a question. When you do, like, 
if you're racing a car, I can run down the track and I can make minor adjustments, and each time I can tell I can tell or determine whether I'm going to go a little faster or a little slower by the changes yeah. I make. In your case with a boat, how? And let's say you're painting with the hull design, because like I, I sense or I kind of get an idea that when you're talking about a lot of the improvements that you're making in the boats today is basically in hull design. You know, the overlapping of the steps, yeah. you know, and things like that, the, the offset trance and you know, and the strakes and things like that. Now a lot of people yeah. aren't familiar with that unless you're in the boating. I am, so I kind of know a little bit, but. Can you do this on a uh, incremental basis, or how, how does it, how do you, what's your, your your procedure, for example? Well, some of the things that you do, you have to do in between races when you can get back home and and add glass, take away glass, change shapes, shape shapes on the bottom, shapes on the deck. You know, the deck just like the wing of an airplane can give you some lift too. But you can work on all of those things, but that takes. Um, that takes time in between races and sometimes can take weeks and months to do. However, when you're running a boat, the secret in performance on the water, if you're given a particular boat, uh, any given given boat, it could be a fountain or a cigarette or outer limits or a skater tunnel boat or a um, uh, MTI tunnel boat, any of these particular boats, the secret of speed on the water is how you trim the boat. How would you trim it, and how quickly can you do it? It's instantly within, you know, fractions of a second by changing the angle of attack of the prop shaft coming out the back of the boat uh, relative to the bottom of the boat in front of it. That trims the boat to minimize hydrodynamic drag and get you lifted in the air where the aerodynamic drag is dramatically less than the hydrodynamic drag. And this works on a V-bottom as well as a tunnel, although the tunnel is relying more on air than, say, the V-bottom. So if you know how to trim your drive angle up and down, that makes a tremendous impact on the performance of the boat. And there's also some trim tabs on the outer chines of these boats. And a lot of the guys even have some trim tabs on their on their tall boats, but particularly on V-bottoms, you have on the outside chine uh, pads, or I guess you'd call them trim tabs. They go up and down hydraulically as the drives trim in and out hydraulically. And with these trim tabs and and the hydraulic where you can move them up and down and the drives and the hydraulic where you can move them in and out, you can trim the boat for every speed and every condition that's out there, and, and you can do that instantly on the water. So you give two different guys the same boat that are identical in every respect, and one guy knows exactly how to trim the tabs and the motors or the, or the drives coming out the back of the boat, and uh, the other guy doesn't. The fellow who knows how to trim it can probably lap the guy in a races. You know, we're on a three- or four-mile course. You can lap him every, every few minutes because there's such a dramatic difference in the way the boat performs depending on how you trim the boat. And we actually give lessons here in Washington, North Carolina. I do it. My sons do it on how to drive these boats, and it doesn't make any difference whether it's a catamaran or a V-bottom or, or a fountain or a cigarette or out of limits or skater, MTI, whatever it is, you really need to know how to trim it. And all good race drivers, all good race drivers know how to trim the boat. Let me ask you another question, too. Um, you know, your fountains had a very, very unique bow design. Tell us a little bit how that bow design came into effect. And that's actually also something else that was done many, many years ago that you kind of uh, retrofitted to your boats, but it actually created lift and helped get the boat out of the water and create speed, correct? Yeah, it did. I picked all that up from Paul Allison. Paul was always trying to help me some uh, because I was racing tunnel boats at that time, and, 
and I and I bought a a, a V bottle from Paul Allison so I could water ski with that during the week because if I wasn't I wasn't out running boats and racing boats I was water skiing and um, the the bow on Darius and or Darius Allison now he's Paul's son and Paul Allison who really helped me back in the late sixties and seventies that bow uh, was a lot like mine it curves a lot like mine does and even more so than it does I, I couldn't quite do mine exactly the way they did that because stuffing it through some waves you might tear the bow off the boat by creating too much lift up in the front but I uh, picked all that up from from uh, actually uh, Paul Allison but another guy that used that a lot on his boats would be uh, a fellow by the name of Howard Pipcorn and Hodge Stream I mean he those boats had tremendous wind lift. You could blow a V, you could blow a Hydrostream or an Allison over in, in an eye blink uh, from all the wind lift in that nose. And so that's the prior art that I picked up from those guys. I mean, you know, and you and and that's the point I hadn't even mentioned before that you picked up from I guess your vast experience in dealing with boats. And that is that in addition to all the other things we've talked about, the uh, nose itself. Uh, has a lot to do with the performance of the boat, and we picked that up, and I'll give at least the credit as far as I'm concerned. Where I gained the most fun was Paul Allison of the Allison Craft Boats. That He was responsible for that nose on my boat. How about uh, composition of materials now? Now, Kevlar, uh, I know that uh, car- there's a certain type of a carbon fiber that's being used in boats now. What are some of the materials that you're going to be using in your boats now in the future? Well, let me say there's so many ways to laminate boats now. You can do it the traditional way, which is what we've usually done, and we usually lay in multi-directional glasses, usually 20-ounce bi-directionals and quads, uh, 35-ounce uh, quad directionals, and uh, we use vinyl ester resins. But you can also vacuum bag this stuff in, which pulls the rosin contact down, content down, and you have more fiberglass to uh, rosin ratio with more glass than you do rosin, which gives you the strength, because the strength comes from the glass. The rosin just stiffens it up. So there's lamination schedules for uh, using the multi-directional glasses. There's different schedules for doing uh, cord boats, and usually uh, with cord boats, you do a lot of vacuum bagging. That changes the game all over again, and then they got some new ways called infusion, which is a form of vacuum bag and sucking the stuff, the, the rosin uh, with the catalyst in it through uh, glass that's already laid out under a vacuum that pulls it all throughout the boat. And uh, these methods all have their own special ways to make them work. And, and you can find out how to use that by just calling up the managers of the uh, composites or the people that make the composites, that is the rosin, the fiberglass, and the core materials, and they can give you two or three dozen ways at each place you call to do it. So uh, I, I don't know if there's any one particular way. We've varied what we've done all along. Uh, it, it, we know we're usually vacuum back a boat with core if we want it super light. Uh, traditionally, uh, we didn't do that on most of the boats because of the complexity of doing it, the chance for error, and, and the costs involved. But if you were, want to build a real exotic race boat, uh, whether it's a sailboat or a, uh, a tunnel boat or a V-bottom, you'd probably, you know, vacuum bag it and make it as light as possible. However, when you make them that light, they don't last as long because there's not as much fiberglass and rosin, you know, holding them together. And so that's not quite as good for a pleasure boat. So 
I guess to answer your situation about lamination and the way those things go, there are so many different ways to do it. There's no way that's really right or wrong. There's some that's better than the others. And uh, uh, I guess uh, everybody has his own way of doing it. Uh, I know when I was at Fountain, we did it many, many different ways. And, uh, and probably with these new boats, we're going to do it for, with an entirely different way as we move forward in what we did it before because we're going to be building fewer boats uh, with uh, more attention to each boat and to each of the customers that buys the boats. And, of course, there will be more expensive boats when you do that, and the customer expects more in not only the way you build his boat and how it performs, but in us showing him how to drive it. So before we would deliver one of these boats, we'll probably spend a day or two with somebody showing him how we would drive it. And, and the secret of the running that boat, as I said earlier, is how you trim it, how you handle the drives and the tabs, the drives in and out, the tabs up and down, how you distribute weight in the boat. We'll give people instructions on how to operate it because it's a little more different than driving around town on your on your car. Hey, let me ask you a real quick question here. Can you go back in time a little bit and tell us, like, uh, just give us a quick story because we only have about five minutes left, but give okay. us a quick story uh, in one of your most intense races with, uh, let's say, maybe Seabold or somebody like that. Could you uh, share one of, that, one of those stories with us real quick? Well, with the Mercury Factory racing team, all of those races were intense. Now, that was a real professional business, and, and I was with some of the best racers in the world. Originally on our team was Renato Molinari, Bobby Heron, and, uh, and there, was, there was Billy Seabold, Earl Benz, myself, and some others from Europe. Well, uh, we had a lot of intense races, but those things got so intense that, you know, the boat... The boat is fastest just before it crashes because you get it flying through the air with less resistance, as you know, as I've stated earlier. Water has a whole lot more hydrodynamic drag on something than air does. So uh, what you've got is it's harder to push something through the water than over it. So to make a boat really go fast, particularly those factory tunnel boats, you just flew them through the air like an airplane, and at least a little thing, a wave or a gust of wind, could make you crash that boat and blow it over. And we were always doing that. I think I crashed those tunnel boats eight times, and with the good Lord's help, I'm still walking around and and and, and relatively healthy. Uh, but it was dangerous. In races I was in, there were over 29 people, or there were 29 people killed in races I was in running those tunnel boats. So all the races were intense, but what Mercury, what we did at Mercury is we had a, a, a race director named Garbrack. And uh, he, he doled out the boats that we built at the factory and the motors, and he could give, you know, Billy C. You give Billy Seaball an extra 5 or 10 horsepower or Earl Pence or myself, you're not going to beat the guy with the most horsepower. So he doled the motors out so that we sort of split the races up. We try not to race each other because we tear ourselves up racing each other. So to answer the question, if I could, the intensity was taken out of that kind of racing, uh, because Garbrick would, from race to race, decide what, which of us should win, should we all be running towards the end with specific instructions that we didn't go out and crash each other. And we had that much advantage on our competitors that generally we could behave ourselves amongst ourselves and win the race. And for a four-year period, the Mercury Factory Racing Team, uh, Billy Seaball, Earl Benz, or myself, won every race that we entered. One of the three of us did. Now, if you're talking about where it wasn't controlled by a race director like Garbrek, who who was responsible for all that high-powered equipment we were getting and all those boats that we were, we were, we were building, I would say that if I take the race most noted with the V-bottoms, it would be on Lake Pontchartrain when we raced 
Don Johnson, Kurt Russell, Chuck Norris, uh, the Popeye's fried chicken guy, Al Copeland, they all had these big catamarans with four motors, and I showed it with a little old V-bottom with three motors. And uh, and and uh, there was a question about whether they were going to let me race or not because I'd not been racing in that circuit, but they finally agreed to let me race, and uh, and I guess because they didn't think I had a chance, and uh, I went out and handily won that race. That probably is the race that everybody remembers the most and that soundtrack that you had was from something done years ago and i i heard the parts in there where we said bye bye movie stars that was that specific race and we won that race and that was probably one of the more exciting races i'd won simply because uh we were the overwhelming underdog and we still won the race well that's super hey uh reggie we're just about out of time but i do want to thank you for coming on the radio show would you give us uh some information if somebody wanted to contact you how would they go about do it and tell us about uh give us some info on your new company well they can just call me personally at uh, 252-945-7606 and i'll answer the phone or you can call washington north carolina for real fast marine and uh and and somebody will pick up the phone but if, if you don't get anybody that way because we just get those phones redone right now give me a call and uh either myself or one of my sons uh or some of our other personnel will be glad to talk with anybody anytime about any boats that they want to talk about and we'll be glad to help you uh make your boat better and redo your boat whether it's a fountain or uh, a cigarette or a skater or mti or whatever it is we'll be glad to help anybody that would like for us to help them okay reggie hey i want to thank you we're just about out of time and uh thanks for coming on the show and i'll definitely be in touch next time i'm up in north carolina i'll come visit you okay reggie please come visit i look forward to seeing you and thanks for the opportunity to interview you here or have you interviewed me i enjoy talking with you <laughs> Okay. Take care, buddy. Good night we'll to everybody. Okay. We'll see you. Thank you. Reggie Fountain, ladies and gentlemen. Fountain Racing Boats. Next week. Oh, yeah. Guess what? Crowd Collector Car Auctions in Tampa, October 5th, 14th, and 15th. Say something. Uh, what do you want me to say after that riveting interview? I don't really know what to say. <laughs> show <laughs> but, up. But, yeah, just show up at the Crowd Collector Car Auction in Tampa. You're going to have a great time. That's right. And I'll be there running my mouth as well. So count on it. And next week, probably what we'll do is, I'm not sure I'm going to have a guest. We might just talk cars next week. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's what we want to do. We'll do cars only and call-ins. Okay? Right, call-ins next week. 441-3000. See you guys. Take care. Drive safely. And take care of your families, man. Yeah, that's it. Keep it straight. Hey, listeners. This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great pizza shop right here in downtown Clearwater, Bro's Pizzeria, voted number one in the city of Clearwater. They're located at 547 South Fort Harrison Avenue. They have great New York-style pizza, as well as delicious lasagna, spaghetti and meatballs, manicotti, linguine. And if you're in the neighborhood for lunch, they have great hot and cold sandwiches and appetizers. So call 727-441-6025 for takeout and deliveries, or stop by for a veal parmesan dinner and a nice glass of vino. That's Bro's Pizzeria. Check out their website and watch my friend Olti create a spectacular pizza before your very eyes. What would you like on your pizza? Call Bro's Pizzeria, 727-441-6025. That's 727-441-6025. And tell them Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. As most of you know, I'm in the car business. 
and often I need cars towed. Well, Katakis Towing has all the trucks and equipment to meet your needs. Whether it's long distance, short distance, or just around the corner, they can get it done. Katakis Towing, located at 1141 Court Street in Clearwater. Also, they have a full service repair and body shop to meet all your automotive needs. So give my friends Lefty and Joey a call at Kotaka's Towing at 727-447-1952. And be sure and mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars and you might get a discount.